From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. On this week's episode, we're sharing our NYFF Live panel discussion about the dynamics of collaboration, featuring Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan, and Mary Heron and John Walsh, and moderated by Karen Hahn. Dano and Kazan collaborated on the script for Wildlife, which was a main slate selection in this year's New York Film Festival and opens in select theaters this week. Heron and Walsh most recently collaborated on Dali Land, which is now in pre-production. The film follows a gallery assistant who helps Salvador Dali prepare for a big show in New York. Heron and Walsh have previously co-written the shorts Armani, Sonnet for a Town Car, and Holding Fast. Let's go now to their conversation. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm going to jump right into the deep end and just ask for all of you guys have done, you guys have such impressive resumes and I'm wondering as writers, like, is there something in particular that kind of demarcates what you'd like to work on on your own and what you'd like to work on as collaborative pairs? It's very funny because when John and I started, we met as directors, uh, you know, when our first, both of us had our first film being released and he did romantic comedies and I did, um, I was with Aisha Andy Warhol, which obviously much darker. And, and for years, we, we just assumed we would never write together. And then I, I had a scene in something uh, that was about uh, Catholic religion. It was filmed in Torres Betty Page. And, I, and John grew up very Catholic, so I said, oh, can you write, can you, can you write this? <laughs> bring that Catholic this. thing. Yeah, can you, can you bring your Catholic thing? And, and he did, and I was like, oh, this is really good. So anyway, we started writing, and now I don't know that there's anything. Well, also, you should say that there are certain projects, like we've written, a, and many scripts together, yeah. but Mary actually has written three scripts with another writing partner. Yeah. And those are scripts that I would never have, you would never have asked me to work on. Yeah, but I don't know what it is about them. Because it's, I, well, maybe they're more female projects, I guess. They're yeah, there's also a certain kind of darkness, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the, if it's super dark, I might not. But <laughs> I could provide the darkness and you could provide. I think it's also like, what do you, what do you give each other? Because, um, one of the most interesting things is collaboration about all film. And I personally am not good at dialogue. So That's not true. That, no, it really is. And um, so I feel like I, I always like to collaborate. You know, I, I think that you're looking for somebody who, who just as you are in a, in a marriage, you know, you're looking for somebody who fulfills you in some ways. You know, you're, you com- complete each other. I don't know how you feel in your... Partnership, but. I can't believe you just said that. What? <laughs> no, 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 because I, th- I, I honestly, no, I mean, and I'm, and I'm not just talking about you, I'm talking about when I work with Guinevere, that... Um, All her other husbands, too, they complete yeah. her. <laughs> you know, I, nobody's good at everything. So what, what, is, what is somebody at? guess that's it. Or, I don't know, you may both be good. We've only, we've only worked on this one thing together, so... Uh, and and mostly by accident. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, I, I've wanted to try to write for a long time and I've just never been able to muster up the courage, really, until I read a book that inspired me to do so. Um, but uh, my first draft just, just wasn't, wasn't good enough. And so I, um, I think I wanted 
the help. I wanted the collaboration. I wanted Zoe is a proper writer. I like her writing. Um, she's the first person who would have would have read the script that I think I was you know hoping was on the right track enough. Um, and uh, I would say that as a aspiring director, I was writing largely by the image and sort of uh, the things I was feeling or seeing in my head. And I think that you were able to help to take those images and sort of guide it through a dramatic structure and take sort of multiple images and turn it into one scene rather than overly vignette uh, so sort of one more complicated scene than three sort of shorter images. Um, I would happily do it again. I do agree that there's a great balance that you can find. Um, I think collaboration is really, really important. I feel like you have to be a sponge and I feel like you'd be a fool not to be, even if it's not a full-on writing partner, but as a writer, director, you know, we, we're lucky that we probably have, you know, some friends who are interested in the same things or coworkers, smart people. And gosh, I actually loved getting notes on the script from smart people. It's like, uh, I think it's real. I mean, it's, it can be debilitating at moments, but, but it's, it's so um, helpful because you, you desperately want your script or your film or your book or whatever. You know, you're trying to express yourself, but you'd be, you know, you want it to be to be good. Um, I'm also curious as to how wildlife came about, and that you were mentioning that you would have shared the script with Zoe to begin with. But at what point did that become um, getting notes from someone whose input that you wanted to working together actually to finish the script? Well, you know. Um we have been together 11 years now. And um, at the time that we started this, we'd been together about six years. And we already knew a lot, like uh, each other's mind and how the other person, uh, you know, we use the other person as a sounding board a lot. Um, so I think that's part of what Paul means. Like, he's the first person I share my writing with often before it's ready to be shared. And uh, he always says, uh, it's good, keep going, which is the best thing he could say. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, I think uh, when I first read what Paul had written, it seemed really clear to me that he um, wasn't thinking like a writer. He was thinking like a director. And I think I... I you know, it would have hurt our relationship to have me give him as many notes as I needed to give. Um, so I just rewrote him instead, which, you know, strangely was easier. Um, uh, but what Paul was saying is right. Like, I think, you know, he had these like images in his brain and I helped like, like worked like a midwife or a medium or something to help bring them out. But but I don't think that I could have done that with a, if I, I think if it had been like a stranger, uh, I would have had to, I would have brought a lot of my own like stamp. But because we've been watching movies together for years and talking about movies for years, I sort of knew what he needed and wanted and uh, w was just like a translator in some ways. It's, it's interesting because um, for, our relationship has some similarities because Mary has things in her head and she knows she, how she's going to direct them. So she isn't as interested uh, as getting that on the page, whatever the idea is, 
And I'm always concerned about it being, getting it on the page so it's clear to the person and also making it a good reading experience. That's exactly, that's exactly what I, I mean, what I kept saying to Paul is like, someone's gonna have to finance this so you, they have to be able to read it. <laughs> like they have to be able to understand what they're looking at. Um, and you know, Paul has a very spare, uh, t like his taste is for a very spare kind of script and that's what we ended up with. But even within those bounds, you know, trying to, it's a weird thing to think about like someone who, who is not an artist is going to read this and, and need to connect with it too and um, be able to see what you see in your brain and not just have everything left up to the imagination. Yeah, I'm always very glad that I can get John to, <laughs> that I can get John to kind of translate it or put it in. Um, and also I think you're better than I am at, I have it in my head, you know, but to break down the action step by step so that someone can read it and understand it. I always think that people are going to understand what I, is in my head. Okay. You know, even if I just write sort of these little semaphores, and, and they don't, obviously. So I think that's, and, and there is an art, I think it's interesting about a script because they're not, they shouldn't have too much, but, but sometimes they can have a lot of description, but they have to be, they have to live on the page in a way that they're not going to live anywhere else, you know. Yeah. It's a, a kind of a separate work of art. I think what's interesting also because for, I, I don't know how people who aren't, I mean, married, write together because, I mean, I do know, but in a way that once you've, you know, we raised children together when we were married and there's, in one way, one of the reasons we didn't work together for so long was because I figured there's enough to fight about <laughs> raising children and being married that we didn't want to add that in. And also we didn't think that we would necessarily write well together. Um, but by that time, you establish a lot of common ground in terms of your sensibility, and I look at all of her rushes and her casting tapes, and you talk back and forth and back and forth endlessly about movies. And so by that time, there's, a common, there's common ground, there's common aesthetic, there's common trust, and, and we recognize that even though we have very different uh, style, usually as filmmakers, that we have a similar worldview strangely, and we always laugh at the same things, which is the most important thing. We're always laughing at the exact same things. So. Yeah. That's uh, good for marriage, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, essential. Speaking to the beginning of what you were just saying, um, I was also curious, is there, or how do you like find the balance between your personal and creative, I guess, lives in that sense? Like, do you find it necessary to have delineations like we probably like, should stop talking about this script at X point or like we're gonna since we live together we're not gonna work on it at X time of day or anything like that or if that's something that I mean necessary. sometimes we go out to dinner and I say we can't talk about it <laughs> like <laughs> we have to put up a thing but you know I I, I mean like, there's a long history of wives in particular um, like acting as dramaturgs or producers un uncredited to their husbands, especially in this business, um, like Alma Hitchcock or Eleanor Coppola, like there's just, they're, you know, Polly Platt, they're huge. Even when they're um, credited, there's a whole world of work that's being done that, that, that probably is going unpaid. Um, and so in some ways I feel like uh, I can't, you know, I'm an executive producer on this movie, and it's just to put a title to something that that has no name. Um, and and I think you know it, it is hard to put up a boundary 
especially when you're people who are obsessed with your work, um, because it's also like a point of connection. Actually, I, th I think the other problem is getting away from your life, because one of the problems is daily, and I think anybody who's a writer will find this, that daily life will swamp and overwhelm you, and, and we all procrastinate. And the, the, our ideal times writing have, have been, I think, really when, either when we went away, like the script we just done, we went away for a week, we borrowed somebody's house in Provincetown in the dead of winter and there was a big snowstorm and, and we needed to get, we abandoned our children <laughs> as a daughter of the, um, and, and we broke the back of the script because all um, daily life was, was shut out and we ju you know, just had to, to, to be locked inside this, this little house. Um, and the other time was when the kids first went to summer camp. And so there was suddenly, and my, anybody said, we had a month of so much time. But um, I, th I think that's the hard thing is when, I, when I've written with a friend, I have to go and meet them, you know? Right. And I have to arrange a set time and I have to turn up and, and we only have so much time I have to focus. But when you live together, I don't know if you find this, but it's like, well, there's endless time, right? So it's easy to... To, to delay or to procrastinate. In, well, in, in some ways, no, because we have this other, we have this jobs. other job. Yeah. So it becomes like, I mean, the times in my life when I just want to say this because I'm assuming, well, I think a lot of people have to have a day job as a writer. I think that's a very good thing, actually, in terms of, like, the times I've set aside and said, like, okay, these months I'm just going to be writing. I don't get anything done. I, my house is so clean. Um, <laughs> but, but the times when I've been like, okay, I have two weeks before I start filming on this movie. Like, I have an idea. Like, I get a draft done because it suddenly feels like I don't have any time and my creative juices get squeezed and I know that, like, if I'm not going to write now, I'm not going to get to write for six months. And I, I don't know. I think it can be a really helpful thing. Like, almost like having a deadline. I'm also curious, um, John mentioned that you have another uh, writing partner, Guinevere Turner, with whom you wrote American Psycho. Um, I, can you speak a little bit to working with different creative partners, not just in terms of allotting, I guess, time to go work with them, but kind of adjusting how, your style of working? Yes, it's, yes. And I, actually, and I wrote, I tried to Warhol with uh, a friend who had starred, Dan Minahan, director who actually had started by giving me notes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I've, they're all good at better, I, 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 it's just that they are all better at dialogue than I am. Um, I don't know, if, what, what is it that makes, I think with, with Guinevere and I, the ones that we've done were very, uh, sorry, the, um, sorry, with American Psycho, I mean, it was very, very controversial. And we had this, idea of, of women tackling a controversial subject. Um, and the last film I did, she actually wrote it, but I was quite involved, you know, as a director and kind of giving very detailed notes. And that again was like, we're women doing a controversial subject. We're tackling very male, you know, Charles Manson, Patrick Bateman. These are, you know, <laughs> controversial men. Uh, and I think that that was obviously what we were doing there, you know. Uh, and and with, with the stuff that we've done together, um, I, I, it, it, 
I don't know if there's, we've done so many different, you know, we've written a lot of pilots as well, you know, that's partly how we've made our living. And so we've done a lot of different styles and different subjects. Um, and for the whole panel, what is what has the process been like for you guys to figure out how to mesh your writing styles? Because I assume everyone has a different approach to getting through material and kind of fleshing it out and meshing that with somebody else's seems like it'd be at least a little bit difficult. I think one of the most important parts of the process is just asking questions. Um, and I really like having somebody to do that with, you know, whether I'm challenging somebody or they're challenging me. And I don't think it's just to do with writing at all. You know, it's, it's actually another, uh, I mean, one of the really interesting things about making a film for the first time is realizing that you're always making the film every step of the process. And I think you could say the same, you're always writing the film, you, you know, in the edit room, you're rewriting it. And even with your actors, once they, sort of challenge you, ask you questions, you know, you're looking at something that you've stared at for, you know, however long, suddenly anew, and you're going, okay, yeah, let's, let's think about that, or yeah, maybe we can make that a little better, or okay, let's cut that, and um, you know, it's like um, alive, and, and that's, you know, um, and I also really value myself, my collaboration, because it's really hard for me to put the pencil down as a person, so to speak. It's like, you know, if we, we worked on the script for a long time, on and off, but for a long time, and at a certain point, you just have to say, okay, like, I think it's, like, good enough, like, I have to, like, move to the next step, and then that step makes it better. And even if that's just finally giving it to somebody for notes for the first time, you know, it's hard, you know, it's scary. Um, so, I don't know, I guess I really like process yeah i mean i was gonna say i think you know with um like a novel you have an editor and with in theater like when you write a play you have a dramaturg and at least working in the independent sphere like there's no um uninvested party who is reading your script unless you're handing it to friends right but then they're like really uninvested um so, so uh i i I feel like that's like a miss, like a missing link. Like there should be a person who it, who fulfills that role, who reads it and can kind of like be your partner uh, in that way. And um, I I think that that was our entry point to actually writing together. Like back to your question of like meshing writing styles. Um, you know, we have sort of looked over each other's shoulder with our work for a while now, um, with our acting work too, there's a sense that like uh, the other person can help problem solve. Um, and uh, I, I think being like a reader for each other was almost uh, like our, our entry point more than anything. We never wrote in the same room or at the same time, really. Um, so being able to say like uh, it, it was much stronger when this scene was over here or I, I really don't understand why you changed this, you know, having those kinds of uh, like bounce back. Yeah, I think that the thing that we do that we did naturally, I didn't think we even had to find it was we like to talk a lot about whatever it is. We talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> And we're talking endlessly all the time and between life and we'll be making dinner talking about it, we'll be going to bed talking about it. And it never seems to be driving us crazy. It drove our children crazy. Yeah, it drives our children crazy. <laughs> Especially when we were, re we were cutting 10 pages out of our script uh, on vacation, they weren't happy about that. Uh, but they did get to do a reading with us, which was fun. Um, but 
it's the same thing with us where we'll, we'll talk and talk and talk and then we sort of break out a rough structure and then just say, oh, I love that character. I'm going to write most of those scenes. Yeah, and yeah, we sort we of hand off and go to separate corners. Huh. It, yeah, we'll definitely, we'll definitely... And it's funny because uh, in the last thing we wrote, um, which is about Salvador Dali and his wife Gala, John, John wrote most of Gala. It's like he was... That you know, and there were, I, I love Gala. And I wrote uh, Captain Moore, actually. You know, there were just, just people that we just fell into writing. Um, I was going to say one thing that I think is very important and that helps maybe being married or being, you know, living with someone um, is that you can write badly and show the other person and yes. without, without fear or shame because it's like... Yeah, okay. you can be completely vulnerable and... And, and you can also take a punch because you've already fought about much bigger things than screenplays. Yeah, yeah and you've like thrown up in front of each other. And yes. <laughs> yes. No, no, I've given, you know, I've given all that, you know, they've seen you in many physically vulnerable, whatever situations. And I think that writing badly, and sometimes we'll just say, okay, I, I, let's go, I'll go do a bad version of the scene and I'll show it to you. And because if you can't, if you can't write it badly, you can't write it at all. <laughs> And, and to be able to do that without sort of fear or... Yeah, sometimes I say to Paul, um, well, the bad version would be this. And, and then that sort of helps us get into it. I, I wrote an entire scene thinking, I call it the Columbo scene in a script because it's explaining a lot that maybe wasn't filled in. And yeah. I, was, I give it to Mary and I say, this is just awful. It's awful, it's the Columbo scene. But it like gets in all this stuff. And she reads it and she goes, it's not bad. So I wouldn't know, because I would just say, it really is really bad. And she's kind of like, well, if you get rid of that, get rid of that, and then put that in, and then it really works. And then all of a sudden, a scene that I thought was bad, you know, you have somebody who can tell you. Sometimes you can tell somebody, you think something's good, and they tell you, they're ready to say, no, no, it's really not good. Or you think it's bad, and they say, no, 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 actually, it's good. So yeah. it helps having that. I mean, I, And I don't know if you do this, but we all, I also, particularly with you, actually, because uh, is stop you rewriting. Like take something perfectly good, and then start just slowly destroy it with, with overwriting, you know, rewriting yeah. it because you, you you want to make it better. But actually, you should sometimes you just need to leave it well enough. And I think you need another person to say, I have a tendency. This is more in an edit, to get bored with it and start cutting too much. Huh. And I think that your your writing partner, your creative partner, can help you. You know, if you understand that about yourself, there's a point where where we all start to kind of damage our work as well. Yeah, there's, a, there's an amazing book by Stephen King on writing, which I'm sure a lot of you have read. And um, he says to put your first draft away when you're done with it for six to eight weeks and not look at it, which I found totally transformative of my process. Like I read that like five years ago and I think my writing really changed after that because I used to like, you know, not be able to sleep and sort of like kind of like masturbating, like at 3 a.m., be like, I think I'll just take another look at that scene, you know? Mm -hmm. and, then, you know and then you wake up in the morning and it's worse than it was um, uh, before. Uh, and there was some of the thing I was gonna say and it's gone, so great. <laughs> I just wanted to, just a total tangent, is that one of the really strange things that's happened to us over the years is that we forget who wrote things. <laughs> and who originated an idea, I'll say, oh, that's, that, you started that idea. And Mary will say, no, 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 that's yours. And I really can't remember. It's really, it's like, I feel like it's Billy Strayhorn and Duke Ellington or something where you're like, I can't, where, where did this begin? And where we've we've had that on Wildlife, including with Richard Ford, who wrote the novel that it's based on. Do you want to tell? 
Yeah, we showed the film to Richard Ford, who's a writer I really admire. Uh, and one of the first things he said when I wrote him, which was wonderful, was, my book's my book, and your, your, uh, your picture's your picture. And that was a great sense of permission, so I said, okay, you know, I can, we can let this become its own thing. Um, but when he was gonna see the film, I was actually nervous because there is a lot that's retained from the book, and there's a lot that's beautiful in the language and the dialogue. And, and um, we were recapping the movie afterwards. He, he loved the film, which was really great, and we had a really long talk about it. And he would say, God, you know, this thing you did in that scene, that was, that was incredible. And I said, well, you know, that's in the book. And he goes, no, it, and he goes, no it's not. <laughs> And I would say, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. And he'd go, no, I don't think so. And, and was it? That's I'm a compliment. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, it's so good that he thought it was you. Yeah, sweet. Kind of on the flip side of what you guys were talking about, how do you work through things that you disagree on and prevent that from kind of leaking into the rest of your life? I'm not, you know, one thing I just thought of, which we don't always have, Zoe was saying that time pressure to her really helped her, and then there's the Stephen King thing of putting the sealed envelope for six to eight weeks. I just think time is like a really important part of the process, potentially, I think, for the potential arguments as well. When Now, if you were writing, we optioned wildlife ourselves on purpose, so we didn't have anybody to answer to. And when our script was done, then we sent it out, you know, and that was a nice way to work, but it worked because we paid our rent through our acting, you know, so not everybody's gonna be able to, 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 to do that, but um, I just feel like time, and, and also once you, if, if, if we're all interested in film, time is so precious once money's involved, and so for me now looking back, I think, God, that writing period was actually, it's kind of dreamy that Zoe and I actually had time because once you're in pre-production or production or post-production, everything is ticking and it's like time is this precious, precious commodity. So I really like time. I would say that we actually agree about 90% of the time for some really weird reason. And then occasionally, yeah. is that fair to say? Yeah, and I was just thinking, because there was a couple things on, on Dallyland, you, you, you were, yeah, there was some big change you suggested, and then we tried it, and then, and we, we, but we never have a huge, like, if one of us suggests a big change and we don't agree, I, I don't think it's, it's never, it doesn't lead to a huge argument. I mean, somehow we usually work it out. I mean, the main thing is that you, you, you're, you're working with somebody who you respect enormously, whose, uh, whose point of view you recognize is something really significant. And so if Mary feels, if I'm a little bit like, well, I want to do this, and she says, no, I really feel this, sometimes I'll yield and say, okay, she feels really strongly about that. I don't even have to ask her why. I don't need to have that explained. Um, sometimes I do, and then I'll say, go that way. But then occasionally, again, pretty rarely, we'll, we'll say, oh, no, back and forth. Those have been very oddly few. Yeah, and because I, I, th I think one thing that's very important in this process of, of writing together, Whatever your relationship, even if you know you don't know each other well, is 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 flexibility. Is 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 being able to give a little. I don't think I could work right with someone who is very contro super controlling. I I, th I think they people have to, you know, <laughs> open up a bit. And, and 
Yeah, I read this. So there's like a pretty famous marital uh, study that happened in Seattle like maybe 15 years ago where they um, examined micro expressions on people's faces and the, and then they checked in with people later to see who was still married and the what and the biggest like micro expression predictor for divorce was contempt. And then I read something last week that annoyance is actually very healthy for couples, like being able to express annoyance is a predictor for staying married. And I thought like, oh, that's a really good, like somewhere between contempt and annoyance is where a healthy, <laughs> healthy relationship is. And I think that's probably true in just basic collaboration too. Like you have to be able to argue without it turning into contempt. Like you have to be able to think that the other person's perspective is also righteous um, and should be listened to even if you disagree totally. Um, and I think usually like you're actually arguing on behalf of the characters possibly. Yeah, um, or on behalf of an idea for the film. And so that is eventually going to find its way. You know, I mean, if you were arguing for the, you know, if, if it became an ego thing, yeah, that's, you know, um, yeah. that's not going to be fun. But I think you're often arguing for a belief in something either emotional or something that you feel or something that you can't quite yet articulate, but you're like, you know, and I don't know. That, that yeah, we would get into out. passionate arguments about about whether a character should say something or not or do something or not. And it was always about like how what our entryway for that character entry point was or, or something like that. I, I know this isn't about writing, but I think it's a good corollary. When when Paul was scouting for our film, he, he fell in love with a location that was too small practically. Mm -hmm. And everyone around him, production designer and me and other people were saying, this is going to be too small, it's gonna slow down our thing. And, and he, it was really hard for him to give up this location. And then when, when he did, like he found all this treasure at this other location, like once he, decided that the practical consideration was important. And I think sometimes there's that too, like this kind of like kill your darlings thing where you have to say like, this, this is no longer useful to me. Like I can, I can take the gift that it gave me and import it to the next thing. And I, I think that when, when you get um, uh, criticism sometimes from, you know, if we criticize each other, that there's that brief moment of, that it really is all about what is the idea, you, you both want what's best for this external thing. So you always, it's, it, you're taking it for granted that what their motive is, is to make this better. That doesn't mean there isn't an initial period of sulking. Well, what I was gonna say is that, so, so, when, so when we criticize something, if there's something I write and I love it and I hand it to Mary and she says, this is bad. And then, or this, just no. And then I'll turn around, then I'll, you know, I'll go in my corner and I kind of pout a bit, and then I'll come around and, and then I'll work on it. It's not like you don't have any feelings, yeah. but you, you know that it's not, a, it's not personal, it's never personal, no. and I think that's the most important thing to me. That's when it's really good to have a collaborator, because you say, then you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think, it, you think it's so bad. You, you fix it. Oh my it. God, you I did. I have done that. Um, so you both you mentioned that you had never thought that you were going to write together before. I'm curious if the same goes for uh, you guys. Probably. I mean, Zoe is a proper writer. She's written plays. She's written screenplays. Um, I 
think I, you know, essentially baited her into working with me. Um, I would happily do it again. I, I, I thought it was pretty easy. I think she thought it was hard. No. Uh, <laughs> I will say, we've acted together three times? Four? Yeah. Something. Um, and uh, I, I, that was much harder than writing together. Oh, in what way? Why was that? Because of the time thing, I think, that Paul's talking about, because you're on set or you're on, you know, I, there was something about, I don't know, I, I, there was something about it that did not lend itself to, uh, like, being, being in our relationship. Like, it felt like we had to, to step outside our relationship for a second or something. Also, I don't know, it's like... A, it's in public. Yeah, it's in public, it's in public exactly. And it's like 12 or 14 hours a day. And, you know, I mean, you're probably not going to write together 12 or 14 hours a day at home. And I'm going to say this, and, you know, I, I, please understand that I'm saying it in like a very in quotations way. Like, we, it, when we're both working on set, there's no wife. Like, there's no person who's like making sure that there's toilet paper at home. Like, really, like we ran out of toilet paper. Um, <laughs> you know, or that there's food on the table, like we both would crash at the exact same time. Like there's no other counterpoint person. When one of us is on set acting, like the other person is like ordering Thai food and making sure that the toilet bowl is clean. And like, you know, that, that has worked for us. And, and suddenly like there being no person to cushion it or make our life run, like was really, really made, made our arguments worse. Because um, we don't like directing together. I guess we're both directors, but... Um, yeah, we could never direct together. We have, but we've done short films together, and, and um, actually the music films, we've done these <laughs> series of short music films, that wasn't so hard. Yeah, but that's a, that's a non-narrative. But, but, but directing together, because we realized when, because, you know, we get on so well writing together, we thought directing together would be easy, and it was so hard. But, but and, yeah, because a lot of it's about having those conversations in public, oh, or yeah. arguments, and inevitably when I go to Mary's set, I have to shut my mouth because I see seven things in a take that she doesn't see and doesn't care about. Well, I want adjustments in the performance, so, uh, but that would be the most annoying thing in the world. And, and um, it's funny, we were directing this short film and, and Josh Charles made us um, hold hands. Oh. <laughs> I was shooting it too, it was really we were, crazy. We were sort of bickering. But I, I think that, because we have very different styles, he likes to plan everything, I like to, you know, we're like that too. Improvise it when I get there. Ready? Yeah, we're stuff? we're exactly at that that same split. Paul likes to plan everything, and I like to fly by the seat of my pants. Yeah, and which is which can work well in certain kinds of collaboration, but some again being on set in public, when someone also it's a hierarchy, and the DP has to listen to someone. Mm. And, and then that creates issues. Whereas, you know, there is the wonderful thing about just writing together. It's just you. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not, again, not in front of anybody, and there's no power structure, which I think helps. Um, we have time for some audience questions, if there's anybody who has some things they'd like to say. I'm just wondering about uh, writers that you all were influenced by growing up, uh, made you want to write in the first place. Maybe some that have reinvigorated you in the current times. You know, you get very swept up in all this. Sometimes you just want to go to the movies like you did when you were young and the influences. Well, I think the funny thing is that we both are originally directors that happen to write, but we have, we say, writer's personalities, which is kind of more of the whipped dog, and directors are more like, uh, I'm great. I run the world and everything's great. And, 
so, so I think it, it's funny because we kind of came at it backwards. Uh, but if you want to, you can talk I mean, about it. I mean, it's funny, I just think of who, who I grew up on are like the, um, well, on Hitchcock, but also on kind of 30s comedies and things, and just stuff I don't actually do. But th th those are the writers that, you know, Preston Sturter that I, or anything that Howard Hawks did. You know, I just love those old school scripts. But I don't think I do that. It's just stuff that I grew up admiring. I think those, like, I mean, that's what I grew up admiring, too, and it's what I grew up with my parents showing me, um, but I think those, like, perf those scripts are, like, in a way too perfect to be inspired by, like, you're just like, okay, well, uh, the part, the apartment, like, <laughs> every line okay. is, does all of its work and makes you laugh, like, or, you know, Ben Hex scripts, like, you just can't, yeah. like, w what are you gonna do? Um, I, I think, um, I think, uh, like the first thing that I thought of when you asked that was reading William Inge uh, as not that he isn't at that level of perfection but I think I read those I read um, like Come Back Little Sheba Picnic The Dark at the Top of the Stairs and Bus Stop uh, when I was like 10 maybe and I, I just didn't know that you could um, like put put like emotions inside of words that were plain like there was something so uh, like transporting about that and um, I think you know then becoming an actor and seeing like the way that you read Chekhov or something like um, changes the more you read it the more you put your body into it the more there is actually underneath the words and that seems like some kind of magic trick and I, I don't know there's something about that about the like um, alchemical thing that can happen when you put a body into language that just um, like blew my mind. I think Frank, my first entree into uh, writing is through acting, which is learning to like interrogate a scene and go, why did the writer put these words there? Why is the diction this way? You know, especially in a play, um, it's a little more focused on that. And, and I sort of, you know, got, got my start in theater before doing film. Um, and then I think I'm just like a sucker for like constant inspiration. I really need it. it, it I just need it to like get get going. Uh, otherwise, I would, you know, hold myself back. I think. And so, I think I started reading about writers first as an actor as well, just looking for like some new juice, you know. And and I think all the arts speak to each other. So you know, reading about pa some painter helps my acting or my directing or whatever. Um, but there's so much great stuff out there by writers and about writers. You know, I've really gone back to like John Steinbeck's journals before. Um, I love Ray Bradbury's book on writing. He has one of my favorite like definitions of art ever, which is something like if you write with like all your love and all your hate, you know, and like it basically like just give all of yourself, you know, and it's like, it's like stuff like that that you just kind of need to keep feeding yourself. Um, and then even like if you read about Stella Adler yeah, breaking she has, down. She has an amazing book on Ibsen, Chekhov, and Sternberg. Yeah, and she has stuff on the, Amer the Great American Playwrights as well. Reading somebody of that intelligence talking about the writer's intent and, you know, that stuff is really great and inspiring. A lot to learn. Um, speaking on the idea of influences, I just want to say specifically, I'm actually very influenced by the two of you guys as a writer and a director myself. And the both of you have been very successful in, in now both realms of that, specifically. Um, I think Ruby Sparks is an amazing film, so thank you both for that and for you specifically. Um, 
the idea that, that your actor and your writer can serve one another, um, do you often take from your actor to serve your writer and your writer to serve your actor? Or are there often times where the two butt heads or argue or as a director as well or, or a director writer for the two of you guys, is there times where the two internal artists of you butt heads or are they often succinct? I mean, we've written things for actors, specific actors, and then they turn out not to do it, you know, and so we end up with totally different actors, and that's, and that's fine, I think. Sometimes you just have somebody, and we're not actors, but sometimes you're writing for somebody in your head, and, and it's imagining them saying the lines, but then, you know, maybe they won't want to do it, or they're not, you know, so you'll end up with, but, but the, the script you write is never the script you make. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think for me, it's like, um, there's a real introvert inside of me and then there's somebody who's like very extroverted and growing up with I had parents who were screenwriters and they're really happy in front of their computer all day and it looked like hell to me um, just because like it seemed so divorced from the body like two people like this all day like um, and then but there's this part of me too and so um, I have found that that like the two things sustain each other like it's it's fucking awful to sit around and wait for a job as an actor. And um, writing, I think, saved my mind uh, from going totally insane. I think I would have like turned into a gym rat or like a cokehead or something if I hadn't had an outlet um, that I could control. Um, and and then I think like you know the the thing of like what I said of like putting a body into text I think it has really informed my writing I think they feed each other. Yeah, I mean I've wanted to make a film for a long time and just didn't have one to make and and couldn't couldn't write one and that desire I mean my love of film is is a big part of my acting really and my acting. Uh, choices, meaning I, I need to be excited about the film and probably the filmmaker, not just the character. And sometimes I wish, you know, it, it wasn't that. But um, And then absolutely acting is a vital part of, I think, directing because I had such a great time working with my actors and I really felt like I've been in their shoes enough where like if something wasn't right, I really felt comfortable like working with them on why is it in the writing? Uh, you know, of course you think, okay, is the, is, it, is the camera in the right position or is it in the writing? And then, you know, how can I just like work with them in the best way possible? And, and one of the really fun things about finally getting to directing was it felt a little bit like maybe what parenting is, like you're really trying to get the best out of everybody. You're there to get the best out of everybody, and I really enjoyed that. I actually don't know that acting helped my writing because I had uh, worked on scenes, but I actually don't think I was great at writing dialogue, which is surprising. You would think, uh, like, uh, if the one thing an actor could write, you would think it would be dialogue, but I feel like I did a lot of temp dialogue just about, like, what the... Yeah. I mean all I I don't have a answer to that but I would say that like it's like I've had multiple writing teachers say really meanly in class you, you can teach everything except how to write dialogue. So, you know, I feel like you did okay. I think Um there's one thing that's interesting cuz as a director obviously you're thinking about, you know, I've directed a couple of features and so 
all of those practical considerations are coming into play as you're thinking about how to shoot things. And then even when you're having conversation with the producers and they say, no, you have to cut that scene because it's too complicated. It's in, it's in a car. And we say, no, 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 that's not how it's going to be shot. It's going to be shot with the camera in the car. There's no rig. Don't worry. We're going to do it. And they go, okay. So that's one aspect, and that happens throughout production, that you don't want to do something you know is going to take too much time, is too difficult, is too complicated, is too hard for the actors, whatever. There's something stra strange that I do that Mary doesn't do. It's not strange, maybe you guys do this as actors, is that <clears throat> to write dialogue, I actually just kind of mentally submerge into the scene and into the character, and I physically I just kind of imagine the world, and I just start being the person. And I'm not an actor, and I would never be an actor, but those are the tools, that's a, that's a method that I use to get dialogue to say, what am I going to do? I'm walking through this party. The woman's over there. I haven't seen her before. What do I do? And then intuition is picking in, kicking in about, oh, I would do this. I would do that. Sometimes you get great stuff. Sometimes you get banal stuff. But it's, it's interesting because I use those techniques, but you don't do that at all. I, I, I've, I've tried to do I'm not, I'm, It doesn't come as naturally to me, but I do do it a little bit. And it does kind of help sometimes if I'm stuck. Yeah, I think some. I think we do a kind of unconscious version of that. Like, often when I'm writing, I think I'm making a lot of faces. Uh, you know, it's embarrassing to do it in public. I think you know. Speaking of Ruby Sparks, you acted in something you wrote, which right? is interesting, and I think that was really hard. for I hated you. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Everyone always says write for yourself, and I'm like, oh, you write for me. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I did not find it enjoyable. But I think part of that is that there's, again, I'm not trying to be provocative, but I do think that there's something like having to do with like, there's something like, like um, a, some kind of like, you know, there's some kind of thing about going into like a person's mind. Like if you're doing that alone, it's just not as much fun. Like I've already, I had already acted it in my brain. I felt like doing it on set felt like I was reacting it or something. Oh, that's interesting. How interesting, yeah. So it's almost like you didn't have the discovery, although it's great, I mean, it works great. There were discoveries, but they just weren't that exciting because it's like uh, part of the mystery is that you're, you're going into somebody else and, and trying to figure out what they meant and somewhere between you, there's a new thing that's made. Do you ever have like something that you've written and then some dialogue and you think, why are they saying it that way? Yes. yes. <laughs> would, would, would they ask for variations of line or line readings? Not that they would ask for line readings, but would they ask for variations that you, you thought, I wrote this, I would never do that? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've written plays, and I'm like a completely different writer, I think, when it comes to plays. Like, I feel like a total control freak. I'm like, you have to say it exactly like I, exactly like I wrote it and keep saying exactly like I wrote it until it makes sense to you. <laughs> like, Why is that? That's, in, that's very interesting. Because, I don't know, it's usually, I think... Theater versus film. Yeah, you have to move everything through dialogue. So you've, yeah. you've put all this work into making things happen in a certain amount of time on stage. And, you know, with film, the beautiful thing is that you can always cut it later and put music on it and you know, yeah. rearrange it and s something new comes and, you know. Okay, um, I think that's just about all that we have time for. Let's get another round of applause. Thank you guys so much. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center 
is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, visit filmlink.org, F-I-L-M-L-A-N-C.org. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here.